Are you ready for the Low Bros Network? Every Wednesday on the Low Blows Network, the Low Blows team are at hand to break down, analyze, and make fun of all things pro wrestling. Hosted by former pro wrestler Rick Nash. I think the only reasonable thing we can do now is turn John Cena here. Selfie with me, fucking dog. Banned from Nigeria. <laughs> I will be talking to the government tomorrow morning. <laughs> YouTube star Corporate King. This elephant has four legs. Joe Ross has four legs. Joseph Stalin, if he had two more legs. Bone saw rips off his shirt, yeah? And it says, Chuck your law. Big dirty toy player. <laughs> <laughs> it's and the queen of Irish wrestling, Katie Harvey. I want one to sign. Just CM Punk. I'm so embarrassed. CM Punk. <laughs> <laughs> it's Low Blows. finally happened. After almost a decade of dominance, where they went undefeated since 2014 and lost just twice in the championship since 2011, Dublin were finally knocked off their perch and denied their seventh Sam Maguire in a row when, of course, Mayo played the game of their lives in a dramatic Saturday night in Crow Park, one of the most phenomenal Irish sporting memories in recent history. But as we get kicked off here on another edition of Lobos, Rick Nash and just Katie Harvey in the house uh, this week. Katie, I'd like to know what's the most satisfying case of a dynasty in wrestling ending for you? This is such like a hard question because all the dynasties I can think of, like satisfying is the wrong word. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't feel good. Entire families' legacies have been canceled um, through reasons. So, I just wanted to talk about um, uh, an interesting one that we we spoke about off air a few weeks ago. The fact that the Rotunda dynasty has left the WWE. Mm. So now with all the recent releases, we have no Bray Wyatt. We've no Bo Dallas. We've no Jojo Offerman. And we've no IRS. I mean, when is the last time the WWE was Rotundalous? You know, like that's that's a crazy thing to think about. Like, I, like it's... <sighs> Like, why? What is the reasoning behind this? And, and is there just going to be a Rotunda dynasty that pops up somewhere else? I hope there is. <laughs> the, the Rotunda the Rotunda's on the getting made Rotunda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, that's in poor taste. I'm so sorry. I hope they're all doing well. <laughs> that's, in poor, that's in poor taste. But your question was, what is the most satisfying case of a dynasty ending <laughs> you could take that to mean whatever you wanted as always with these questions i'm gonna go a little different because obviously you went with the more literal family meaning of the word dynasty i'm gonna go for something that's more like a dublin style thing and with the week that's in it i want to talk about where we left off with one of the most dominant wwe champions in recent memory cm punk 
because obviously we'll all remember that like in 2011, actually the same year that the Dublin's kind of dynasty started, CM Punk's dynasty started because he caught, of course, the pipe bomb promo and became the biggest thing in professional wrestling for so long. Uh, and then he was the face of change, held had that huge, really long, I think he spanned two WrestleManias or something like that, uh, re- uh, like title reign. It was amazing. Uh, and then he was eliminated by Kane in the Royal Rumble unceremoniously. That was the last time we actually saw him inside the WWE ring. Uh, he went on a podcast like in just a, within just a few months and, and, and started bitching about his company. And then he got sued for said podcast. He fell out with his best friend and co-conspirator in that podcast over the legal expenses that came from that lawsuit. And then he got the shit kicked out of him in an octagon. <laughs> so that's a dynasty falling fast. But having said that, we say this in a week where he may just be about to be a phoenix rising from the ashes and coming back. So exciting, exciting times. Uh, and I'm sure like CM Punk, Dublin will be back again. It's funny how everyone just thinks Dublin like has ceased to exist as a county now because they lost one match. And everyone's like, well, that's it. It's over. Dublin are never going to win again. It's like they're probably going to win next year, but let's just enjoy it while it happened. Uh, and let's just enjoy the madness of uh, being uh, pre CM Punk comeback. This may be the last time we'll be in that zone where we're like, will CM Punk ever come back? This may be the last few days we have to share it because it'd be weird at this stage if it didn't. But um, before we get started and before we get on to the wrestling, and there is a lot of it to cover this week, I do have to cover something um, that, like, again, it's it's a, it's a bit, we have to air a bit of dirty laundry on the air, unfortunately, you know what I mean? And last week, of course, as if you weren't listening, I'll, I'll fill you in. We had a draft and it was to uh, pick the shows that we would cover because obviously we can't watch all wrestling between like each of us individually. You can't watch everything in wrestling. We don't have the hours in the day these days. So what we do is we split the shows we watch up. Uh, Keen was quite happy with a SmackDown pick um, and and, Kay, and he was quite happy to let Katie Harvey have Raw, which uh, one person got a better deal there, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Last week in the draft, Katie got the number one pick um, and, and Keen obviously uh, got Raw. And, and had to settle for Raw instead. I hate to say this, but um, I actually brought up this example at the start of the show last week, the time Stone Cold Steve Austin took his ball and went home. Now we're in a state where, where Corporate Keen has taken his ball and gone home. He has refused point blank to review Raw. So, Katie, how are you feeling about this? Essentially having chased Corporate Keen off the show uh, this week. We don't know where he is. He's refusing to communicate with us. So, Katie, what are your thoughts on this shocking um, development? First of all, I didn't know it was an option to refuse to cover Raw. <laughs> I didn't know I had that available to me the last <laughs> six months. Um, <laughs> but you know what? I was feeling bad after Wednesday. I even said to Phil, I was like, we did this draft and like, I think I finally understand how they work. And I picked SmackDown <laughs> and uh, I was like, but I feel bad because like, you know, Kane has to watch Raw now. And then I watched SmackDown and I didn't regret my decision one single bit because <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed my two hours of wrestling viewing this week there was not a single bad segment that I was like wanting to claw my eyes out so you know what I'm going to be selfish here and say I am delighted I stole his pick Okay, excellent. Well, okay, Katie, like, uh, can you throw Keen under the bus? She's like, I do it again. I do it all over again. <laughs> Amazing stuff. Uh, Corver Keen, we hope that 
he'll be back at some stage. We don't know what's going on. Or it may end up like the CM Punk scenario where six years from now, he shows up on the Cheap Heat podcast or something like that. Who knows? Um, we'll see. And also, happy birthday to Corporate Keen as well. Where we're at it. <laughs> Completely unrelated. Unrelated you know, to this <laughs> I hope you're having a good day. But also, you took your ball and went home and go fuck yourself. But also, happy birthday. But also, go fuck yourself. <laughs> anyway, Corporate Keen, hope you're having a good one. Guys, you usually busy week in wrestling. We don't have time for messing. We've got SummerSlam this week. We've got an NXT takeover. Oh, and just a small matter of uh, the almost definitive return of CM Punk in AEW. We're going to preview it all as well as discussing the first episode of Rampage last week. New Japan's return to America and Katie's first non-Virgin Media viewing of WWE SmackDown in years. So uh, exciting times ahead, but let's get it underway. As we always do by discussing the big news stories of the week uh, the way we always do, because ladies and gentlemen, it's time for... Queen versus King. Queen versus King, because my two co-hosts are good friends, they're even better enemies. And what happens when one of those co-hosts has taken their ball and gone home? What we do is, well, we still have to discuss news. News still happens, whether Corbett, whether it's Corbett Keen's birthday or not. So what we're going to do is we do usually keep score. We we pick the top five news stories of the week. We put 30 seconds on the clock and we have Keen and Katie give their lightning hot takes. We're keeping score. Keen has obviously come back. It's a strange time for him to take his ball and go home because he, as we're keeping scores of the weeks as the year goes on, Keen has actually taken the lead. Come from behind and taking the lead. He's now leading 14-13. So you have that lead waiting for you when you come back. So what we're going to do is me and Katie are going to give our 30 second lightning hot takes on the big stories of the week. Uh, no points up for grabs here uh, because I would obviously win and it'd be a walkover. It'd be unfair on you, Katie. You know what I mean? So um, I want to just make it in the interest of fairness. Anyway, so first story, congratulations to Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae who announced last week they have a baby on the way. Oh, God. <laughs> Hold on a second. It wasn't a minute by the delay. <laughs> Katie Harvey, you know what to do when this happens. Name that baby. What do you think? Uh, okay, right. I'm a nerd and I'm not going to pretend I haven't considered superhero names for my own baby. Okay, because I have. I have a list. But Johnny Gargano is an absolute bigger nerd than I am. And I can guarantee he's going to fucking call that baby like Iron Man or something really on the nose. You know what I mean? Like, and he's going to get a little matching entrance gear and it's just going to be, uh, it, it's just going to be too much. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's not going to be subtle at all. It's going to be typical Johnny Gargano. And I, I don't know, like, it's just going to be really over the top. It's going to be a it's going to be a, a 48 hour birth with three falsies. You know what I mean? And then they'll name the baby. So, yeah, Iron Man. Iron Man Gargano. <laughs> I love it. Little, little Loki Gargano. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think as well, because the other way Johnny Gargano does that, I can't believe you're making me be so violent. Do you think that like... <laughs> Do you think that like when they're changing the baby's nappy, the baby just stares at them intensely is like, I can't believe you made me do this. <laughs> you, you fed me. You did this to me. 
I'm going to go for a slightly different approach because like Gargano and Candice are right. There's not many jokes or puns you can make there. So I'm going to go with a Johnny Gargano's alternative name. I'm gonna, And obviously he's known by me, to many as Johnny Wrestling. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to name it a perfect name that goes with the surname wrestling. And that is Keith. Keith Wrestling. Great name. Solid name. We I know a lot of Keiths. All good guys. Um, so yeah, no, Keith Wrestling uh, is, is catchy. It's It's got everything. So again, we're not doing it for points, but I think it's fair to say it would be pointing me after that one uh question two uh rest in peace to dominic Danucci. i accidentally did that thing i don't know if you saw during the week that clip of virgin media where uh what was it it's like uh th- this person had two airplanes he's like two airplanes and they died last week <laughs> i accidentally did that thing where i crashed from a joke into an rip so apologies i'm gonna get more serious Rest in peace to Dominic Danucci, who was revealed last week, passed away at 89. Uh, Danucci was a former t- uh, tag, t- tag team champion with Bruno San Martino in the WWF and also had runs in Japan, Australia and Canada, but is perhaps best known today for create- for training Mick Foley and Shane Douglas. Who is his biggest legacy between the two of them, though, the hardcore legend or the franchise? Thoughts, Katie? This is really hard because, you know, obviously Shane Douglas is a big WCW guy. So I probably Mm. have more of a fondness for him than your average wrestling fan. (laughs) But I do have to say like Mick Foley edges it out probably just slightly in terms of uh, in terms of legacy. But um, I actually didn't know this. This is the first time hearing about this. And it's actually really, really sad and upsetting because like Mick Foley's autobiography is something I've read obsessively mm. over the years. It was such, such, such a big deal to me. It was the first wrestling book I ever got my hands on and like influenced so much of like how I see training and, and, and how you break into wrestling, you know, because it, to me, Mick Foley is still the blueprint on how a trainee should act. You know what I mean? That kind of dedication and passion and just like get on with. Um, and obviously the stories with Dominic Danucci are such a big part of that. It just, it just seemed like he was a really good trainer that taught good lessons, but without kind of, without kind of going into the horror stories that you hear about other trainers at that time. And um, so let's actually not say uh, Mick Foley or Shane Douglas and say that he left the biggest legacy himself. Um, yeah. yeah, because uh, I, I know he's definitely someone who I've probably never seen wrestle, but has still like left a legacy in my mind of, mm. of, of what a good trainer was that's that's an excellent point and and when you say it i'm like oh yeah like to me because that again that book for i think people of a kind of our generation that was the first kind of insight because now people are used to it like the corporate kings of this world the young whippersnappers they're used to shoot interviews they're used to knowing what goes on in the background that like Mick Foley's Have a Nice Day book was the seminal, that was our first glimpse into the world behind what we saw on television. Do you know what I mean? So Mm. with that in mind, it was almost like Dominic Danucci was their wrestling trainer because he was the first time we heard someone talk about a wrestling trainer and this is how you train and this is what happens. And obviously we took that literally and ended up going training as well. So he he, like that would have played into our mind and would have influenced that decision. So yeah, like Dominic Danucci, like, and, and, 
I, you could argue that it, like it was just because one of his students happened to write the first great wrestling book, but also as well, he trained someone important enough to do that. So that's a great point for him of the two, because I did think about this and I'm like, right. Okay. So Mick Foley versus Shane Douglas. Mick Foley's obviously had the more notable career and is more famous, but for me, I'm going to do a hot take on this because that's the name of this game. And I'm going to go for Shane Douglas here. And the reason why is you could have, I'm not going to say the same wrestling world, particularly when we talk about the book and that kind of legacy and what the doors that opened up for the wrestlers. But the Attitude Era would have happened and a lot of the other things that we've seen in wrestling would have happened even if Mick Foley wasn't around. But it wouldn't have happened if ECW wasn't around. And Shane Douglas as the franchise and as the first big main eventer in ECW was formative for that. And then I don't think we'd have gotten the Attitude Era. I think WCW, like we had the question last week where it's like, what if WCW won the war? And I think that's something where like it might have, if not for Shane Douglas. So I'm going to say Shane Douglas slightly, but I, I agree with your take anyway about Dominic Danucci being the guy. Again, if we're giving points, I'd actually give that one to you because that was a very good point to make. Uh, I don't think you're going to do as well with the rest though. <laughs> <laughs> Question three. The change of direction in NXT is reportedly due to Triple H being blamed for losing the Wednesday Night War to AEW with the belief among WWE apparently being that NXT is a bunch of indie wrestlers who can't draw. Is that take fair on Triple H or NXT? It's not fair because this has a bang of football off it. You know what I mean? Like a, a team suffers a couple of losses and it's only the manager's fault. The way you fix this team is you just get rid of the manager and everything else falls into place. When usually like other background stuff isn't addressed, like who's the writing team? Who's the agents? Who's the producers? Who's the person with the purse strings? Who's approving things? It's just, He's, he's the figurehead for the promotion. So therefore he is a scapegoat for the promotion. And just like, I think it's not fair in football. I don't think it's fair in wrestling that he's held completely accountable for. And let's not say NXT is failure because it's not failing. You know what I mean? It just, they had a speed bump. It's, it's, it's not like they were drawing 80 people to a gah hall. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're still on television drawing thousands of people like it's it's They just didn't do as well as another particular show. So I think that criticism is unfair. Okay, that's a, that's a fair point. I, I wouldn't disagree. I'd also say that like football managers are kind of accountable for results. Like it's a results-based business and it's a performance-based business. So if you don't perform, ultimately... Uh, no, no, I, I, I've watched Ted Lasso. I understand how football works completely. <laughs> like I completely understand, you know. Okay, fair enough. I mean, look, my, my attitude is, look... It happened, um, and and kind of like with that in mind, uh, there, there's not much kind of counterpoint to it because it just it did happen, um. So with that in mind, that like, uh, you know, I think I think whether we like it or not, or whether we want to admit that these wrestlers we love may not be loved by many others. I think what the takeaway from all this is it's more damning on the idea that Triple H that we had for ages, that Triple H, when Vince was gone, Triple H was going to save it and bring back amazing booking and this and that. I think people had that idea. And I think this kind of underscored that maybe Triple H, I don't know, he isn't as as great as he thought he was. He's fallible. Do you know what I mean? He's not an automatic savior of the wrestling industry, which is uh, one way of looking at it anyway, in my opinion. Uh, anyway, look, points for me again there. Uh, question four. <laughs> Dave Meltzer reported, I actually wouldn't have won there. <laughs> Dave Meltzer reported that AEW had AAA hold off Andrade beating Kenny Omega for the AAA championship at last weekend's Triple Mania as they didn't want Omega to lose two belts in two days. We'll discuss the other one shortly. 
company. Is one company having this influence unfair though, or is it fair given the exposure that Omega brings to these alternative promotions? It's completely fair that he was asked to hold off on beating Omega. And I'll tell you why. I couldn't tell you who won that match. I couldn't tell you who actually won that match at the weekend. But I can tell you, I watched a lot of AAA clips this week because they were online because of him, because of the Ric Flair spot, because of all this other stuff. Um, So it's not that result result mattered for the show, but it mattered in the grand scheme of things because it would have hurt Kenny Omega as a performer to lose that belt, two belts in two days or whatever. And... for him being there brought a lot of exposure to a show I otherwise never would have would have kind of looked at at all. And um, so it's absolutely the right call the way they played it. Okay, interesting. I think this is a dangerous precedent. I think right now it's fair enough and it's really cool. But AEW being able to have this say is dangerous for me because I think what will happen is if they have it now, they'll also expect it in future. Do you know what I mean? Like when when it's a similar situation down the line, they're going to be like, well, why did we get to say it then? And we don't get to say it now. And what it's shown as well is that they'll put their own interest first. Triple Mania is Triple A's WrestleMania. Do you know what I mean? And I know it sounds stupid to, to put it that way, but like it is. And they couldn't change the title holder on WrestleMania because of something AEW said, which was the long-term plan and what they wanted. Uh, And here's the thing as well. When they'll put their promotions first, and it's coming down to promotions, mania shows, and they're also giving them control of their main belts, that's dangerous because consider this, okay? Omega didn't lose the belt on Impact. He lost it to kickstart a new AEW project. So all these months we've been talking about who in Impact is going to be Kenny Omega, who in Impact is going to be Kenny Omega. That's what we've been thinking about. But he lost the Impact Championship on an AEW show to put over an AEW guy to promote an AEW pay-per-view. So actually Impact got nothing out of that except Omega showed up and they got a few good ratings. And that's the danger with putting it in. So I'm not necessarily, I don't fully disagree with you. I hear what you're saying. I just think there's a middle ground there where promotions would want to watch and just don't roll over for these guys either because it's it's ultimately you have to make sure that these deals benefit you and like in negotiating that contract for example make, make it so where it's like we can take this belt whenever we want and it has to change hands on our show not your show um i think they're, they're important uh, caveats to add question five lastly both sasha banks and bianca belair were pulled from last weekend's wwe house shows due to unforeseen circumstances so we don't really have more info to go on other than they're believed to being cleared for summer stamp so that match is going to happen uh so when we don't have info to go on what do we do we get wildly irresponsible and that's what we're gonna do so katie what rumor do you want to start about why these two were pulled from the shows of the weekend well could you imagine right if one of these well-known world-class world-traveling superstars for some reason how covid was a hoax and wouldn't (laughs) get their vaccine and ended up catching covid due to being exposed to thousands of different people a week, due to traveling the country, due to being on airplanes and buses and trains, but, you know, still managed to convince themselves that, that, that COVID and vaccines were a hoax. I just think that is so unbelievable that it couldn't possibly be true of a top WWE superstar. You've actually, like, is that true? <laughs> <laughs> You've actually convinced me there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it, it is true. Okay, we're we're confirming that. We're confirming that sources. Hold on, is that my source? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they confirmed it. The sources have confirmed it. Katie X, the anonymous source, has confirmed it. (laughs) 
I like what I heard. My sources told me that they're on the run after robbing a bank because now Sasha's been in Star Wars, the Star Wars universe, and now that Bianca awkwardly a few weeks ago smacked her bum bum in front of a few, uh, a few times at a rap festival, the the rush of performing in the ring just isn't enough, and they need more. So they're going out and they're escalating it. They've teamed up as like a crime fighting duo, except they're not crime fighting; they're actually doing crimes, otherwise known as criminals, which I haven't really thought that part true. But they are a criminal duo kind of like a modern day Bonnie and Clyde uh, remix and, and that's why they were pulled so that's what my sources said and also my sources confirmed that that happened too but with the COVID thing as well you know what I mean and they're like okay I'm a COVID denier but I also have all this money so I'm not our showing up so there you go there's some scoops for you that you weren't expecting here uh, on low blows anyway guys let's talk about the in-ring news from the week the good and the bad starting with the bad as always because ladies and gentlemen it's time for say something Stupid. Say something stupid. Worst moments of the week in at number five. Sorry, let's talk about. Um, sorry, in at number four, I want to talk about Rampage, uh, the AW show, the first ever episode. Um, look, what I want to talk about here is it's not bad, and this is why it's at number four on the list. Okay, uh, and in the ring, there were a lot of positives that we'll discuss, but there were also some small teething issues, including for me. All AEW shows feel samey when it comes to sets, layout, the imagery, the way they're kind of, even the graphics and stuff look and transitions and so on. And you could say similar about WWE. They're all just like, even pay-per-views now are just arenas. Whereas, would you remember like old great WWE sets in the past, like Backlash where they had the swinging hooks and stuff like that through there? Um you don't see that anymore. So you could say the same about WWE, except one thing, and if, if, if there's one thing that we know to be true in WWE at all times, it's that Raw is red and SmackDown is blue. You know what I mean? That is something. That, but AEW with this and Rampage is, this felt very much like a shot of dynamite. But that's kind of like taking a shot of boomers because Dynamite is its own entity and it's to be consumed in point form, not as shots. Like what I think they should do is make Rampage AEW's tequila or Sambuca. And to do so, it has to have its own flavor, texture, style. It has to have its own look, that unique kind of thing that makes it inherently Rampage. And it just didn't have that this week. And I thought for something that they've been working on, um, that's a bit of a letdown. There was other things as well, like teething issues. Again, not going to hold it against them too much. There was four commentators which is a lot for any wrestling show I know I don't feel and I feel AEW are very good at responding to things people don't like about WWE and I don't feel that at any stage we're like there's not enough commentators we need at least two more people in there uh, there was Excalibur Mark Henry Taz and Chris Jericho and to be honest and this isn't again against him because there was four commentators, so it was tough to stand out. But I didn't really see why Mark Henry was there, to be honest. He was like quite bland, and his this tone of voice as well isn't good for commentary. Because if you hear Mark Henry's voice in the set, he's sexual chocolate. He is the most chilled out, like laid back guy you'd ever have, which isn't necessarily what you want on commentary. You don't want to go like it's pretty good, guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? You want someone who's going to get excited and enthusiastic. Um, like there was, and he said one good line that I could remember from the whole thing. And it's like, <laughs> only belt that I have is keeping my pants from falling down. 
<laughs> and I'm like, that was a funny quip, but I'm not sure it was like worth a massive pop on like uh, AEW's second biggest pay-per-view of the year to announce you're the big signing. Um, now, again, it's not a, too much against him. It's very hard to stand out with four people, especially when one of them is Chris Jericho. He's like, when he's on commentary, Chris Jericho, speaking of Sambuca, he's had a few, do you know what I mean? <laughs> so he's on his way. So it's nothing against him and I'll give him a chance. And the same for all of these. Another thing, last thing is, it's a weird format. And I know there are challenges to doing a one-hour wrestling show that matters. Like, it's grand when it's an hour show and it's Velocity, our main event. So you just have a few eight-minute matches with guys not on the main show, interspersed with clips from the main shows. But this is the show that's presumably going to see CM Punk's comeback on it this week. And even so, I hated having the interview for the women's title match squeezed in just before the match. So literally, the match is about to, like, in kayfabe terms, these women are, like, standing in the gorilla position, getting ready to go out before their match. And then they're being like, why do you think you're going to win? What's your strategy? And it's like, no, this is, you do this a week before the match. You do it. And to me, it felt clunky. And to be honest, it felt a bit like they didn't respect the women enough or didn't trust their names on a graphic to carry the match as the main event, which, fine, maybe it wouldn't have. <laughs> like, they, just because they're women doesn't mean they're going to carry the main event. They may, they may not have the name value. But in that case, maybe then finish with the big deal title change that you have on this show instead of picking this to be your grand gesture of representation. Not everything needs to have representation in it. Like, and, and, and Katie, like, I know you'll kind of, you'll beat the drum about this as well. Like, women don't want main events because you want to put women in main events to show we put women in main events. You know what I mean? <laughs> they want to earn it. They want to be like, right, we worked for this. Like, Thunder Rosa against Britt Baker a few months ago. That's a main event match. They built it. They had the match capable of carrying it. Whereas I feel that by having this interview beforehand, they're like, yeah, no, nobody really knows or cares about this. We need to do something. Do you know what I mean? And it, it kind of weakened it as well as making the show feel a bit clunky. Um, but again, they're teething issues. They're not the biggest thing in the world. I'm not going to come down too hard on AEW for that. So that's in at number four. And at number three, I want to talk about Irish wrestling, but relax, because a lot of people are just sitting up and going, oh, here we go. We've been waiting for this. No, there is a lot, a lot that could be discussed about Irish wrestling this week. But for today, I'm not going to go there. We've gone there a lot over the past few months, and I'm going to keep it relatively civil, okay? So what's going on is, and what I want to discuss today is, wrestlers are, wrestling's obviously coming back over here, and wrestlers are reestablishing themselves with the audience. The problem is, and I understand kind of the circumstances behind this are extraordinary and never before seen, but for me, a lot of are missing the mark. And this is more a, a constructive like kind of feedback note to keep in mind rather than anything else, rather than a mad criticism. It's not something that makes me angry or anything, but I just some that think something that I think needs to be called out. I'll give you one example. And, and though people can probably figure out who, if they've seen everything and they know what they're talking about in the context, I'm not actually going to name the wrestler here because I don't feel that naming them is particularly relevant because I don't feel that this is their fault. I think they were just following direction here and, and the direction was a bit off and that's what led to it. So calling them out on a podcast isn't going to do it because it's, it's not on them. Ultimately, they did the best what they were given. The story of the video package kind of uh like set up the match and and the story of the match the storyline they were going for was something along the lines of we wrestled two years ago and you held my tights and I haven't forgiven you and then there's a big baby face build-up package with inspirational music around it and stuff like that and again it's clearly all direction that's handed down and the talent is doing the best to relay the story of the match so again it's not on the talent 
But I want people to write who are writing this stuff to consider what the audience who's watching this stuff has been through when they see their talent say things like this. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, so I've lost people that I love in a global pandemic over the past two years. I don't have a job because my industry has absolutely cratered and been decimated by said pandemic. And my wedding has got cancelled five times, costing me thousands. But seriously, Tell me more about your tight thing because that must have been so hard for you. You know what I mean? And to build this for like, if it's a heel, it's like, all right, let it go, mate. It's a tiny inconvenience years ago at this stage. Like, well, like to people watching, it's like, you're just, how is that? It's racist. How does that come across as anything but like, did you ever hear the phrase, if that's the worst thing that's happened to you, you don't have problems? You know what I mean? It's like, and that's kind of what, you got to consider and it's not like i'm saying every promo needs to acknowledge this stuff god no it doesn't but what every promo does need to do is and i feel like sometimes i'm the only person that discusses wrestling that uses this word but still i'll say it again connect and when you think of every era of wrestling every wrestler you've loved or every moment that you've marked out for it's because that moment wrestler or, or era connects with you and how you feel as a person and when you think of everything that ever actually embarrassed you annoyed you or put you off wrestling it's because it didn't connect with you or where you were in your life or how you felt about the world or what you wanted to see on your screen as a result so you don't have to come out and start every promo with look I know you've all had people die you don't have to do I'm not saying that's what you have to do people watch wrestling a lot of the time to forget the problems they have outside the ring but you do need to meet them halfway and if you want their fandom you do need to connect with how they feel about the world at any given time and the class thing about wrestling is it can be in random or unexpected ways so in the 90s the world felt like telling atari to fuck off we were just in a state where we're just like ah fuck the world fuck everything fuck convention this that the other so what ended up happening stone cold drinking beer giving his boss the finger that worked if you did stone cold these days we'd be like ooh, look at the rebel <laughs> you know what i mean but people felt that way in the 90s so it connected with them after 9 11 people in america naturally felt super patriotic so when John Cena started doing his Marine gimmick. He started coming out, waving at the camera and giving the salute and stuff like that. People are like, right, that I connect with that. That makes him into a star. It can also just be stupid stuff that doesn't make any sense, but it just resonates with people and how they feel in the moment. Like The Rock doing a silly fucking eyebrow. Maybe people want to see silly. Maybe they want to hear The Rock say something like, la, 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 after the word smell. And they're like, yeah, you get me, Dwayne. <laughs> you know what I mean? It can be Daniel Bryan's super positivity and just saying yes loads. It can be anything. It can be something random. But the thing all of these things have in common is that they meet people where they are in the grander scheme and here's the best part here's the incentive for figuring this out and getting to the bottom of this question millions you can make millions if you're the person that figures this out so it's worth trying but stuff like this that actually mocks the listeners and viewers experience by having someone young trying to be a good guy which is difficult enough as it is like it's hard to connect as a baby face in 2021 having them just moan about minor inconvenience from ages back that don't really matter and to be honest we'd forgotten about it's an instant no and it makes the subsequent promo video that you're investing time and money into look ironic and dumb as a 
it's like this guy had his tights pulled two years ago and it's like when you are with me it's like it's not that's that's ironic that's not entertaining as a result not to mention it makes the wrestler who's forced to peddle your bad storyline it makes them look like shit it makes them look they're the ones who have to say these words and they're the ones that have to live or die based off if it's good or not so take a bit of time and actually think about like there's a, there's a good way of actually dealing with this. You can do something called red team and you can just go, what's the worst joke that someone can make about this? And if it's an obvious joke, like, yeah, you've really got problems having your tight tail two years ago. Don't do the fucking promo. Come up with a better storyline. Um, so just to know, and I think as well, there, there, there's other cases that it can bring up and stuff like that. Like there's people doing promos and they're kind of like, they're kind of acting like people recognize them or would remember them. And it's like two years have passed and people have had bigger things to worry about. So just make sure you establish who you are, what your character is, this, that, the other, you know, you have to meet people halfway. We can't just pretend that 2018 is just continuing. Do you know what I mean? We can't just pretend like we're just picking off up where we left off. You have things have changed. The circumstances have changed. Your viewers feelings have changed and you have to account for that and how you reintroduce yourself to the audience and what you're bringing up and what you're making relevant. It's time. It's time for a reset, a readjustment, um, and a kind of new kind of, you know, you can get it an entirely new motivation. People don't care, but that's what you have to do. You have to go around it. Again, more a note than a criticism. Again, I don't even want to name people involved. Um, it's just something that I think Irish wrestling and, and, and indie wrestling as a whole, probably. I'm just, I just know Irish wrestling because I, I live here and I watch it. Uh, I think that's something that they have to get right and they haven't figured I just- out yet. There's a slight counterpoint I want to make to that as well, though, right? I don't know the promo you're talking about. I haven't watched a lot of promos lately. And the exact reason I haven't watched a lot of promos lately is because we've all been through COVID. It's not unique. It's it's it shouldn't be your driving selling point to coming back to wrestling at this stage. You know what I mean? If I see one more tweet being like, oh, you know, the struggle the last 18 months of being everyone's not been in the ring, you know what I mean? So it's like I think this. I think there needs to be a middle ground between what you're saying and what I'm saying. I'm not saying I want people to pick up like it's 2018 and that like nothing has happened, but there's a middle ground where it's like, I feel too many people are chasing the same narrative. You know what I mean? And it's, 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 it's actually put me off watching promos. And I want to mention an excellent comeback promo. I did see, Um, I don't know if you've seen Alex Windsor. She's coming back. I've seen that she's coming back, but I haven't seen the promo. Yes. Her promo is unbelievable. There is slight references to what's been going on the last 18 months, but she's also been dealing with an injury, um, you know, that took her out actually a year before COVID. And she's just managed to craft what feels to me like a very authentic and um, very creative comeback video and, and comeback promo. And I just think now is the time where wrestlers need to need to just be more creative and think outside the box and be like, how am I going to, how am I going to present myself? Like what you were saying, how am I going to present myself to the audience again? How am I going to reacquaint you to my character and just not rely on this, this, this lazy trope of like COVID, you know what I mean? I, I agree with what you're saying. And that's kind of why I was like, you don't have to talk about it. You don't have to mention it. You know what I mean? But you do yeah. have to like, act like there's been an elephant in the room. You know what I mean? Yeah, you do have yeah, to like, yeah. you do have to kind of carry that with you with what you say. You can't just pretend that it's 2018 and you're just carrying yeah. on from that. Do you know what I mean? There's um, definitely, you, a, definitely a middle ground between the two where yeah. it's like, I think like most wrestlers videos I'm seeing, they're veering wildly one side or the other. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah, where it's like yeah. COVID happened only to me. <laughs> it stopped <laughs> 
me getting into the ring <laughs> you know and that just comes across as very self-centered it's like well yes. like you're saying well look we've all had we've all had things going on <laughs> but then I understand I wouldn't like the opposite side of it where people are just like picking up as they left off kind of like what you're saying as well so yeah. actually so anyway, anyway so anyway Tommaso Ciampa as I was saying in 2018 <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so there's, there's definitely a middle ground between the two where I think it needs to be acknowledged in some way but it yeah. doesn't need to be the main narrative of everyone's comeback story you can just reset though you can just absolutely reset do you know what i mean and you can just kind of again it doesn't have to be something that because again it's not like you know there's there's like after say 9 11 happened that was the last kind of seminal thing it's not that that was the origin story for all of us but it was a part of our lives do you know what i mean it did think and shape how we felt but it's not something that we need to say do you know what i mean like it's not something that in every sentence when we're talking about ourselves we need to go and I did see 9-11 happen. You know what I mean? It's like, but it is something we've had a shared experience of. So it's a chance to reset and just kind of, again, just pick things up fresh. And then just like, when you're bringing up old issues, it just comes across as that. It comes across as an old dead issue that yeah. only you care about. You know what I mean? Whereas it's a missed opportunity more than anything. I agree completely what you're saying, by the way. I don't, I, would, I wouldn't push back on any of it. I think kind of, we're, we're pretty much on the same page there. Uh, in at number two though, okay? Let's do the handover because obviously I've been covering in NXT for a few months now at this stage and I'd, I'd gotten to the end I'd completed it <laughs> so I am dying knowing to hear what you want to think about uh, about NXT checking back in with it yeah so all I've all I've put in the doc is my thoughts as a returning viewer um, and my thoughts are very jumbled uh, like I'm going to be honest there's going to be some stuff that crosses between say something stupid and this is awesome because basically I'm reacquainting myself with the entire product like I mm. have not watched NXT Jesus, in over a year, like definitely since before the pandemic. So we're probably talking a year and a half, two years since I've watched it regularly. Um, first off, I don't know who anyone is. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 am, I am struggling with their roster. Um, to me, there's, there's a lot of sameness. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that just... I need more time to get to know the characters. I need more time to get to know the people. Even these like big indie names they've signed and put on NXT, I don't know who they are, you know? And I suppose that's, that's a symptom of them signing so many people and signing people, you know, whereas like Tony Storm was around for how many years before she got signed? So she had a really good name. Whereas now it seems like people are getting like one or two banner matches and promotions and they're getting signed. Mm. And especially because I don't really follow the American indies. It's a lot of the Americans that they're plucking. I don't really know who they are. If they take over like a UK guy or whatever, like Ilya Dragunov, you know, I, I know who that is, but all the Americans that they're signing, I don't know. And they are so interchangeable in my head. <laughs> um, that, that That's one thing I kind of struggled with, you know, as kind of like, a first time viewer again yeah. um, like I was watching there was a mixed tag match and there was Jesse Kamea and Indy Hartwell couldn't tell them apart like like you know what I mean it's just like similar gear similar yeah. look um, you know and I'm, it, there was just like no standing out now look as I get to watch them more I will probably notice the nuances of the characters and I'll, I'll you know I'll be able to, to do that mm. but like as someone watching for the first time I was literally like I felt there was a lot of cookie cutter stuff, mm. which I, I don't think was there the last time I watched NXT. And I don't know whether that was because I was more familiar with the people they were signing or whether it was just more variety, but I definitely felt there was a sameness 
in a lot of the stuff I watched this week. And I don't know if that's fair to say, so people can criticize me on it, they can disagree. Um, it was just like, like when I'm saying to Phil, I don't know who that is, and he's going to me, oh, that's so-and-so. Like that's, <laughs> that's how maybe I'm the one who's wrong and out of touch, because usually <laughs> I'm way more up on the indies than Phil is. Yeah. So for him to turn around, he'd be like, what are you talking about? That's so-and-so. I'm like, all right. <laughs> My all-time favorite moment of that, and we should bring it up again, is where you compared a young Bronson Reed to a young Jonah Rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember I did that? Um, he's not there anymore. I noticed no, that. No, he's gone. He's gone. You don't have to worry about that. Um, there seems to be a very high turnover in NXT as well, which I noticed, and it hasn't really translated to people being on Raw and SmackDown, I think. It, it seems to be its own entity now of, of signing people and letting them go rather than pushing people onto the main roster because that, that contributes to why I didn't know so many people. Um, and then just the gimmick changes of other people, like some of them really just didn't sit with me. Like I think it was Roderick Strong in the opening match. Is his nickname the King of Conditioning? Oh, is it? Oh, I don't what? know. That must be new. A fucking awful nickname. That, <laughs> that's the nickname of a guy who always takes selfies of himself in the gym. And that's his tag. That's what he puts underneath on Instagram. <laughs> like, like conditioning is such an integral part of wrestling that if that is your USP as a wrestler, <laughs> is that you are conditioned. I am sorry, pal. You need to, you need to go and have a think in the shower about like, about what you are bringing to the product because like conditioning is like a basic requirement for wrestling. Now look, some people go beyond the basic requirements. So like we were saying like Johnny wrestling is Johnny Gargano because he excels at wrestling or like, you know, Daniel Bryan, he would excel at a particular aspect of wrestling or whatever. Like, but I don't know, the king of conditioning just seems like such a reach as as a nickname and as a legacy <laughs> like you know what i mean he's like, got I, like a history of of uninspiring nicknames so what was he the master of the backbreaker and yeah. it's like again like it's like backbreaker is a, a grand move if anything it's it's gotten worse like <laughs> yeah I, I i do a really good backbreaker but it's kind of like the ninth most you know impressive move in my arsenal like yeah. it's, it's 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 a weird thing to hang your hat on um, and at least like, you can see a backbreaker though do you know what I mean you can see it in play do you know yeah. what I mean like you can't turn around and go he should be tired right now but he's not <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean like, this is the thing how do you prove that nickname right <laughs> unless you're doing unless you're doing 30 or 60 minute Ironman matches every single week how do you prove you're the king in conditioning when you're out there having 8 minute TV matches the other person should be also conditioned for an eight minute TV match. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like they're going to do an international and have to take a water break or like, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I just don't get it. Like I just, <laughs> I just, I don't get why that's the route he's going. Um, as I said, again, you could disagree with me. I'm just dipping my toes back in. I will wait and see if he does like an obstacle course next week or something. Um, to, to prove the king this oh there it is <laughs> <laughs> i get it now um, so yeah they're they're just kind of my main uh like bad thoughts i don't want to be too negative on my my first week taking it on you know um, okay okay so, so fascinating I, yeah you, I'm gonna pull you back always did you, you always ended up coming up with some killer hot, hot takes on raw so i'm looking forward to seeing what you do with nxt uh exciting times ahead speaking of raw I've taken up the handle because when Corver Keen took his ball and went home, 
I like I didn't want to ask it to go back. Do you know what I mean? I didn't want to say, Katie, would you just one for the road? Like, <laughs> no, I, could, I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have I, done it. Yeah. I went on to I, I went I went on to watch uh, SmackDown yesterday, and I almost clicked on Raw, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't that. <laughs> that was close. I'm just gonna pick one thing, okay, uh, from watching it, and uh, generally, I I couldn't I couldn't think there was nothing that there were things that were grand and reasonably entertaining, and this actually came from probably the most entertaining part of the match because where this came from was there was a match uh after john john morrison whose nickname now is johnny drip drip which i love i don't think we talk about that enough it's a hilarious nickname um and like his gimmick now is that he knows people hate the word moist so he started to use it because he's a heel <laughs> and he hosted the first ever edition of moist tv on raw <laughs> no, no thank you no no so what ended up happening was it was a setup for Damien Priest uh, to come out and, and kind of and then him and Sheamus it helped set up their SummerSlam match whatever happened raw things happened where it didn't really make sense but the people that were there that were setting up the feud were in the same proximity uh, and it ended up being J- Damien Priest versus Johnny Drip Drip and the person I want to talk about though is is Seamus because this got really weird. Now we've been big Seamus fans this year. He has had a banner year uh, and we have highlighted that on low blows, but like Seamus did something really, really weird. And I have a clip to back it up. So don't worry. You don't have to miss out on this and just take my word for it. Cause do you know when like, do you know when you see friends or work colleagues around people that they know from home, like when they live somewhere else, like if I was to see you around like people from where you live and stuff like that, you may have a different accent. Do you know what I mean? Your voice might change a little bit, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like Seamus's voice did that, but did it several times (laughs) on commentary uh, to the point that like, it was probably like in a few sentences, I feel that, Seamus got all around Dublin. He got everywhere in Dublin. He hit every accent along the way. And I'm not sure that he meant it. And there's no way that I can do it justice without just playing the clip to give you a sample. And I'm going to point out the point where his action changes. All right. So listen carefully for this. Okay. How am I feeling? This is I've got a broken face here, Graves. You know what I mean? But I'm a real man, fella. I'm a real fighter. I don't complain about these things. I just get on with it. I don't want to sell a little story back from Ireland. When I was younger, I was an altar boy. You know what I mean? I swore I would never hit a priest. But I promise you, this Saturday at SummerSlam, I'm going to batter that father, Damo, like a bleeding uh, smoke pot on Leo Burdock. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. I was thinking the same thing. I didn't catch any of that. <laughs> Who is that? Who was that person? Like, literally, we're going to go to the transit. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Kate. Okay. No, no, it's just, it sounds like some lad I went to school with in Bray. Like, there was a definite strain of Bray coming through there and some of it. <laughs> but that, like, it is, like, it went from, like, it went from kind of normal Seamus to, to, to weird Seamus. You have to go through that transition again just to kind of appreciate it fully, I think. Hold on, I'll get back here. I'm a real fighter. I don't complain about these things. I just get Look, on with it. I don't want to sell a little story back from Ireland. When I was younger, I was an altar boy, you know what I mean? I swore I would never hit a priest. But I promise you, this Saturday at SummerSlam, I'm going to butter. When did Seamus ever talk like that? Am I right? Seamus doesn't talk like a little young fella. I'm going to butter him. (laughs) Why is he putting on that voice? Right? That's fine. Like, whatever. I got a bit of a laugh out of that. But somehow, it got worse. Okay? It got worse. Because as he was doing his post-match promo, his accent somehow got a bit weirder, where it actually, like, not only continued to travel around Dublin, but it got a bit 
a bit camp for some reason. It got a bit like Shirley Temple Bear. It was weird, and I don't know how to explain it. Have a listen to this. In the spotlight, because you see this here around me waist? This is my gold. That's right. It's not their gold. It's not their gold. It's not theirs. And it certainly, certainly will never touch your grubby little paws, fella. Golds. It's not my girls. <laughs> he sounds like uh, Rory from Mrs. Brown's Boys. That's what he yes, sounds like. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. I have to In the spotlight, because you see this here around me waist? <laughs> this is my girls. That's right. It's not their girls. It's not their girls. It's not theirs. And it's certainly. I can't hear anything but Rory from Mrs. Brown's now. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not their girls. <laughs> What are you doing, James? That's so weird. Um, and even in, in a week where we had a lot to talk about, worst thing in the week by far. Um, and the only thing that we talk about from Raw, Raw wasn't very good. I don't know how you covered it for months. Respect. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the good from the week because there was a bit more of that. Uh, let's talk about it now because it's time four. <laughs> moments of the week we talked about kind of your 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 no i don't want to say negative because i don't feel you were particularly negative or harsh but talk about the things that impressed you less about nxt so let's talk about the good from uh checking back in so i did just give out about indy hartwell so i'm doing my classic flip-flop um just usually <laughs> usually it's week to week um classic now it's in a record 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> Look, you have sold me short on this Dexter Loomis, Cindy Hartwell storyline because I enjoyed it this week. Uh, <laughs> this is built so, for you, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this, this is what will hook me on my first week back. So, like, obviously, there's been some sort of love storyline. I wasn't too impressed when you told me that, like, they had to, like, Basically, they're wrestling for control of Indy Hartwell, what she could and couldn't do. That didn't yeah. sit right with me. I kind of like that she went, fuck it, I'm just going to do what I want uh, and date him anyway. So there was this mixed tag match on that we spoke about um, and they won. And then in a lovely turn, a lovely twist of events, Indy Hartwell proposed to Dexter Loomis. And I loved this because it was so fucking weird. <laughs> 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 like and you're gonna you're probably gonna have to plug some gaps for me i don't i don't know why beth phoenix is so excited about their engagement but she is very excited and like indy hartwell slides out and they have a little convo at ringside not not sure it's so beth phoenix isn't relevant to the storyline she's not involved in the storyline now like okay, she's well, like she's that commentator who like likes the, the thing that's happening because someone has to take a stance like but yeah no, oh, okay all right she gave me a very different impression this week on nxt i thought she was like invested in it and um, so anyway indy hartwell slides in but like they never say anything to each other dexter lewis and indy yeah, hartwell they just hard. lock eyes and it's so weird and uncomfortable and like at one stage you're on all fours just stared into each other's eyes and i'm like i can't look away this is so awful <laughs> but i love it and then like she gets down on one knee and she she proposes he doesn't say anything he just like puts the ring on and it's like this giant gaudy eyeball ring and it's just like this is the whole segment nothing is ever said you know what I mean but the crowd are popping they're just being weird as fuck which I love and it's like I'm into it 
Like I'm, I'm into whatever's happening here. Like, and I, I think the commentators are making reference that she's becoming more like Dexter Loomis or something. Maybe she's taking some of his moveset. I'm not sure. Um, or just some of his mannerisms. But like, she did his finish, didn't she? I think they both finished with the same move because he's got yeah. the sleep. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was it. Um, it's a nice twist on the wedding trope that she proposed to him. You know what I mean? And I do love a wrestling wedding. You know, they they usually go terribly, but they're usually very entertaining in, in my eyes. So, like, I, I like that. I like that segment. I've seen a lot of people shit on it, but I was like, this is one of the things I'm after remembering from NXT. You know what I mean? It's this segment. So, you know, I'll be back for Index. They even have a cute couple name. Um, <laughs> the other thing I liked is, obviously, I'm a massive Samoa Joe fan, so I just really like seeing Samoa Joe. And... Um, he did a, a killer promo. He did a, a brawl with Carrion uh, Cross, big pull apart. And like, I just love Joe so much because everything he does looks legitimate. You know mm. what I mean? And it's just, it's it's nice to see that passion and that aggression. And um, again, this is where I said, we're going to kind of cross over between. So they say, say something stupid and this is awesome. Because I haven't been watching NXT, my only experience of Carrion Cross is what's been done on Raw. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, in a way, it's kind of hard for me to buy into him as the big bad NXT. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, get what, I get what you've been saying now for the last few weeks. Mm. Like, I, I do get it. Like, when he's coming out and he, he's being presented as a massive deal and, like, the person who's Samoa Joe after being out for a year is going to get. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, Samoa Joe's first target is a big deal. And the fact that it's carrying cross, I know it's a big deal. But it just doesn't compute to what I've seen on Raw. Yeah. Um, now I will say I still don't completely get it with him. He does look like an off-duty magician. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I just get that vibes. Like when you bring out a security team and they're all bigger than you, that never bodes well for me when you're presenting someone as like a big bad champion. Yeah. Um, he is the champion, is he? He is the champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like fair play, like he won me over with the brawl. I I thought that whole segment was really, really entertaining. I was kind of like, oh, okay, you know what? I am excited to see this match at takeover because I really mm. like what they've done here to build it. Um so yeah, I suppose they were my my main positives from watching NXT. You're coming in at an interesting time because obviously takeovers this weekend and and kind of it's a good chance to kind of because takeovers are always good and worth checking out and stuff like that and you're gonna you're like you probably get some enjoyment out of it but what are your kind of do you, do you are you up to speed on the car to take over do you need me to kind of again I can do a proper handover with you because we didn't expect you to take NXT originally like so like now kind of we can do a handover do you know kind of what the storylines are and the card is going into takeover. Um, I know most of the cards. Uh, I know they're really pushing um, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. I'm not going to lie. Skip, skip the prime target. Um, yeah. I know it's going to be really good, but I was just like, I actually could not care less about this match. You Even know what Sean I mean? Ryan I'm, can't save this. I, I was just like, I, I'm not sure what spin you could give me on this. You know, maybe if you included the King of Conditioning in some way, I might buy <laughs> into it a little bit more. But I just, I don't know if either of them have the conditioning for two or three falls match. I'm unclear, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know. Have they picked up any tips from Roddy? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, they didn't, they didn't even get into that in the prime target. You know, no, there's a no. missed opportunity. Sean, <laughs> you're losing your touch is all, all I'm saying. <laughs> so I haven't been paying attention to that storyline. I know Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, is that the yeah. women's match? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so I've, I'm, I'm, I need to get up to speed with that storyline, but I do know that's the big match going into it. 
You have Cross against Joe, obviously. Good chance, obviously, with Cross looking like he's he's just going to stay on Raw. Good chance of there being a title switch and Joe actually taking over as NXT champion. Obviously, that went well when Balor did it. You've got LA Knight against Cameron Grimes. That might surprise you because you've got uh, the gimmick with that is if, like Cameron Grimes has been LA Knight's butler for the past few oh, months yeah. since the last takeover. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, then, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed what I've seen of that so far. Yeah, and D- DiBiase got taken out, I think, at ringside this week as well. Like, so if DB if if Grimes loses now, DiBiase has to become LA Knight's butler as well. So that's going to be interesting. And then you also have Walter against Ilya Dragunov. Like, they're hoping to replicate the classic match they had last year in NXT UK, except this time there's people there. So hopefully, NXT UK title matches have a great history when they're on takeover. They usually end up stealing the show. When you think of Dunn against Walter, when you think of Dunn against Tyler Bay, you think of Walter against Champa at the last takeover. So they usually do quite well as well. So that's kind of the setup for 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 a takeover. Uh, in at number four, though, let's talk about the good from uh, your first time watching SmackDown, not on Virgin Media. So you're actually up to speed with SmackDown. Were you all confused? Where you're like, I've missed a week because Virgin Media is a week behind. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, like I I was contemplating waiting to plug the gap with the Virgin Media episode, but I thought, <laughs> no, I'm a professional. I'm covering this for the show. I'll skip ahead and figure it out. Um. Oh, it's such a relief watching SmackDown. It's so good start to finish. You know what I mean? It's like there was nothing I wanted to fast forward. There was nothing I wanted to skip over. It's a two-hour show. So even if something wasn't exactly to my taste, I knew it wasn't going to go 20 minutes. Um, my particular highlights, I mean, I'm a big Nakamura fan. Seeing a title switch, really, really like that. Um, but the two things that stood out for me is the opening promo with John Cena and Roman Reigns. Mm. unbelievable this is like this is the first face-off isn't it between the two yeah. of them yeah. yeah first time where and, they've spoken because they spoke at the end of the pay-per-view the last one yeah 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 so i i loved it and it's this is why john cena is the greatest of all time because he plays me like a fiddle you know what i mean he started that promo and i was sitting there still and i was like this lad is such a nerd why do I get so excited every time he comes back? Like, this is embarrassing. He is a 45-year-old man dressed like that, saying these things. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just like, and, and Roman comes out being all cool. And I'm like, I'm, I'm team Roman Reigns. Like, I mean, look, there's no comparison. You know what I mean? Like, and they, they have their little barbs going back and forward. The Nikki Bella barbs, the Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins name drops and stuff like that. And they do promos like they wrestle matches. Like I'm, this is why John Cena plays me like a fiddle because he starts out that match like it's, uh, like it's, it's, it's a second match on the card comedy match. You know what I mean? Mm. And then I never notice when he does it, but he always switches gears halfway through. And next mm. thing, I'm on the edge of my seat, and I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> like by the end of that promo, I was like, I'm Team Cena. I've always been team Cena. Why would I ever doubt John Cena? Like, this is crazy. Like, he, I, I don't know if other people feel like that listening to John Cena promos, but he just, he's just the master of manipulating crowds. You know what I mean? And you will still have those vocal portions of the crowd who want to boo John Cena because they're too cool to buy into what he's saying. <laughs> but at the end of the day, he still always has like that passion and he still has, he still has that hold on enough of the crowd that he can literally just, twist you and make you feel whatever way he wants you to feel like he's an absolute master like I hope all those people coming up through WWE are just made watch fucking John Cena promo after John Cena promo because it's electric when he's on screen 
like it, it really is and I like I, I've seen this promo get a little bit of hate but I like absolutely loved it it was everything I wanted from like a first meeting between the two of them I am so excited about SummerSlam this is I'm more excited about SummerSlam than I was about Wrestlemania Whoa. You know, because this match has got me so invested and um, so yeah that that was a massive highlight for Smackdown and there was one other which obviously wasn't that much of a highlight because I've forgotten Seth oh yeah Rollins. <laughs> Seth Rollins and um, Seth Rollins the video package he made about him and Edge I love his whole shtick right now about how like I'm Edge but better like you're calling yeah. me Edge, but I've done everything you've done I've done it better He's a, he's a justified heel because there was the video evidence. You know what I mean? The voiceover was hilarious on this video promo. <laughs> it's just like Edge joined the WWE and started out with some mid-level factions and had a modicum of success. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're talking about like the brood and Edge and Christian. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> iconic seminal factions and tag teams that yeah. shaped WWE. But it's just like, it's so clever the way she's like a modicum of success not like the shield (laughs) (laughs) whoever made that video like kudos to them like it is absolutely brilliant and again that's another match i'm super hyped about for SummerSlam, just because of both of them the way they're playing this whole storyline um i just i just absolutely love it and uh, smackdown was just such a refreshing watch and it was just those two uh bits in particular like stood out as highlights i enjoyed the contract signing as well with Sasha mm. and Bianca. I, I did think that was really, really well done. Um, but yeah, those are my two highlights from SmackDown. Okay, interesting. It, yeah, it was a contract signing where they made an effort not to flip the table, which I really appreciated. They just worked <laughs> around it at all times. It was very, yeah, I, I, I admired that. Um, great, and, and and good to kind of see you happy when you're recapping as well. I think that's why Corporate Keem stormed off and took his ball and went home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having this. Um, but yeah, no. So look, in the number three, I want to talk about the good from AEW Rampage, which I'm going to be honest, I expected this to be number one. When I kind of mentally map out the show like a week out and I'm like right this is on so this is probably be what we'll put the main focus on I expected this to be number one and it's only in at number three but don't get me wrong it wasn't that the show was a failure there was a lot of really really good stuff and obviously like I said earlier there were bits that could have been worked on but AEW delivered where they usually end up delivering and that's in the ring with great action and fun stories we're going to start with the second match because I just want to touch on this this was fantastic the story here was it was Fiego del Sol against Miro for the TNT championship and Fuego del Sol hasn't won a match I don't think in AEW he's the perennial jobber on dark and elevation and the likes of that but he's really over because he's a really good wrestler so a typical underdog story and the, the gimmick here was it wasn't just for the belt fuego was wrestling for a contract too okay so if he wins he gets a contract if he doesn't he presumably doesn't but they haven't mentioned that this match was about as good a match as you will see that went that that is under five minutes long it is as good as you will ever witness. This was fantastic. There's kind of been a running story on Dark and Elevation about how DDTs are Miro's weakness, which I love as well. The fact that, that he just has a kryptonite, you know, and it's just this one move that just gets him, which is standard for a lot of people, but just for him, for whatever reason, I love that idea for a start. Amazing stuff. Uh, so how did they start this match? Fuego hit three consecutive tornado DDTs on him. And it's like, oh shit, oh shit, they're going to fucking do this. Um, It was amazing. Of course, 
he didn't end up getting him. Miro is still the TNT champion. He eventually caught him and he tapped out. Uh, but then afterwards, you had uh, Tony Khan and real life best friend Sammy Guevara come out on stage and they gave him the contract anyway just because he won the fans over. And it's not all about winning and this and that and the other. Uh, really, really good, uh, well told storyline. Fantastic stuff. And like I said, in terms of like, if any wrestlers are kind of listening or anything like that, if you're looking for. I can't have a match that's good in under five minutes. Oh my God, you can have the most memorable match uh, on the card if you do it the right way. And these guys did it the right way. I say that, and it was only a three-match card, but it wasn't the most memorable match. But there was, you know, it was very tough competition. The opening match and the way they started Rampage was with the all-out main event. Their WrestleMania pay-per-view, they put it in the opening match on Rampage, which normally I would hate it. I hate when WWE do this, where it's like, we're going to preview this match by giving you this match on Raw the week beforehand. It's like, what? You're just giving it away. There's no intrigue left. And I'd have hated it. It's so lazy. It's so boring. But guess what? This worked. This was for the Impact World Championship, and they set this up um, on Dynamite with a, with a promo where Christian confronted them beforehand. So you assume that with this as well, because like they made such a big deal over Omega having so many belts and stuff like that, that there was going to be a DQ or countout. The typical, you're like, this is they're doing what WWE do. It's going to ruin the match because I've now seen it. It's not a special, and it's going to be this. But no. Um, Christian won the Impact Championship. So, like, because the way, like, it was set up is Omega's not going to lose, but Christian also hasn't lost. They're not going to have him lose as he's on his way to a title shot in a few weeks. Christian ended up winning the belt. Uh, won it clean as a whistle. There was interference. There was everything there. And what that sets up is actually amazing because now, like, you've got all these questions. You've got, like, is Christian going to Impact now? And, and he is. Like, he's going to appear on Impact in, uh, on Thursday this week, so he's going, going back over. But then you think about, he has history with that title. You know what I mean? That was, the, that was the world championship that he ended up leaving WWE and going out and getting. And it's, when we're real about it as well, like, Omega's probably going to win it all out, and that's fine. Because when we ask ourselves, really, as much as we do like Christian, we probably don't want to see him. For the majority of us, I don't know, maybe you feel differently, Katie, or there are others out there who feel differently. I don't want to see Christian as the AEW champion. Do you know what I mean? It's nothing against him. He is perfectly capable, and I like seeing him on AEW. But as the champion, as the head guy, it doesn't feel current. It doesn't feel relevant. It doesn't feel like it's threatening WWE. It'll feel like what it felt like in TNA, where it's like he wouldn't get that in WWE. Whereas Omega has star power, this, that, the other. And Christian has everything that's, that makes him a great challenger. And it's great that he's got a pinfall victory over him here. Um, but what it does is him being on impact makes impact a big deal. Do you know what I mean? And like now the stakes are raised too, and Omega's going to want revenge. So Omega is going to raise his game. So it's exactly what you want from this, but they just thought a bit outside the box. And we didn't expect them to change the impact championship because all we've been thinking is someone's going to beat Omega for the impact championship. Like Sammy Callahan or someone on impact is going to beat him for that championship. Um, but now someone's going to be Christian, and that's a big deal as well. Again, I have my question marks that we st- spoke about earlier, but as a moment, this was great. This was fun. This is a great start to the show, and this injected juice into a feud that was dead like it, it instantly. This feud had no juice. People weren't dying for this. Hangman was the feud that people wanted to see because obviously his wife's pregnancy situation, that's not going to happen now. Um, so Christian was kind of thrust in. Nobody wanted to see it. Now we all want to see it. It's a great feud. 
and exactly what you want from your opener. Uh, great, great start to Rampage, but not the best thing in the week uh, because it's been a busy week for, for video packages. I can exclusively reveal now that the Sean Ryan video package they put out is the third highest or third highest discussed video package, which is rare because there's been some excellent, excellent work that's been put out there. Let's talk about number two from NXT UK. Yes, we've talked a lot before about how BT do such a good job of advertising NXT UK. And they released another video this week and it's kind of unlike anything they've ever done before because it's like a movie trailer. It's three minutes long, I think. Um, And basically it's it's showing like kids who are wrestling fans talking about their dreams and their hopes and, and their ambitions. And then it transitions to nxt uk stars eventually in like the the nxt arena or the the bt sports studios um but it's just so well done it's so slick it's it's i could imagine being a non-wrestling fan watching that and being like oh i i'm i I might watch this like this is kind of cool this is like a movie and they've they've hit the nail on the head with like just how they're going to engage like more casual fans and stuff to to bring a bit of cool factor to NXT UK as well. Um, just the, the shots they use, the people they use, um, you know, the, the middle section is like very kind of underground fight club vibes, you know, like I, I think that's supposed to represent like their indie phase. <laughs> mm. But like I, I, I liked it, like I, I got into it. And then when it transitions to the studio phase, it makes them look like a big deal. It makes it look like they've reached the top of the mountain. And um, I just I just thought it was really, really well done. Um, and again, no reference to COVID, which is fantastic. <laughs> it's just an interesting outside the back outside the box creative video package so i'd encourage everyone to to look it up and just to see what it's all about really really good i i'd be re- and bt sports team well up for this bt sports such a great partner for wwe which makes me worried because i don't know if you've heard there's a, there's talk about bt sport being sold like apparently mm-hmm. that the, the head of bt wants to sell um which obviously is concerning because I think they do so much more for for the likes of NXT UK than 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 you know Sky were doing for so long because again like it was just it was settled with Sky it was just like that was it whereas BT came in they have that energy and so on so I it, it's been great and I'd love to see. NXT UK as actually a BT Sport production. Do you know what I mean? Because I think like you see the video and it gets you hyped about it, but then you watch it and it's very much like a WWE show. Like there's good wrestlers on it. It's not nothing to do with the wrestlers, just the production and style of it. It's a WWE show without fans. Do you know what I mean? It looks and feels like a WWE. I know it has the distinct look of being in the BT studio, which is recognizable for, for football fans and all who may be familiar with it. Um, but like it, it still does feel like a WWE show. I'd love if BT just took over the production because the energy and effort that they put into it, and the expense mm-hmm. and resources that they have, that probably WWE or at least as far as NXT UK goes, they don't have access to. Um, I'd love if they could do something with that because that just made me feel so energized to watch NXT UK. Now I may not. <laughs> I may not actually. <laughs> a lot of hours, like a lot of hours of wrestling I already watch. It's nothing against them, but like. Really, really good stuff. Really impressive. Mm-hmm. And nothing gets us hyped like a video packet. So amazing, amazing stuff. Well done to all involved. I love the bit, uh, by the way, my favorite bit. And I, I think you'll agree with this. Do you know the bit where they had uh, Valkyrie and they just had the voiceover? It's like NXT UK Women's Champion and Valkyrie's head just turns. And it's like, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> They're building I, up. 
I enjoyed the shot of her flying personally. Yes. <laughs> everything, everything else was so realistic and grounded. And then she was flying. <laughs> <laughs> She's again, a Marvel hero. like Yeah, but like they did, they made her look like a superhero, which is kind of her whole thing that she's she's mysterious and this and that. So like they did well to inject people's personalities into yeah. the short space that they had. Mm. But I, I did pop for seeing her fly. <laughs> <laughs> so she never showed me that. Amazing. Um, <laughs> in at number one, though, and I know people would be no stranger to hear me talk about New Japan at number one if you've listened for long enough at uh, Low Blows, but I genuinely did not expect to be talking about it this week because what happened was New Japan had resurgence, which was the, the, their attempt to resurge in the USA. It was a New Japan America show, and that's something you don't hear me talk about a lot because New Japan has had a bumpy, bumpy ride trying to establish itself in the US, even be, beyond the effect that COVID has had on the company, which has been massive by the way what they've done is they've tried to make it its own entity and i think this was always the plan they tried to make it its own entity rather than just touring the main roster there and as a result it feels kind of like a promotion that's even lower in stature than your impact or ring of honor uh who at least have history and lineage behind them because while they do have the new japan name it doesn't look like new japan especially in empty arenas because we don't know what new japan looks like with that it doesn't feel like new japan either um so like it's just it's just a random indie promotion and it's not good to be honest the weekly shows well there probably is good stuff on it but i can't watch it because it's just it's it's not ente- it's not enticing me so like even though they did load this card with some good talent and it'd be new japan ultimately in front of a rowdy us crowd I was more watching this out of duty than anything. And it was on at like 4 a.m. On, on Saturday night, like even later than the UFC card starts. So it was a Sunday morning watch for me. And it ended up actually being one of my favorite New Japan shows of the year. This was a revelation. And I I did not go into this happy. You may have seen me ranting on Twitter on the Low Blows account. I had an absolute nightmare of Fight TV beforehand. It just wouldn't cast. Like that oh my god that streaming service is not fit for purpose it's an absolute joke and the prices they charge they charge 20 dollars for this event or 20 euros sorry 1999 for this event and the only difference with this for if you had a new japan world thing was you get to watch it in english commentary whereas new japan only had it in japanese commentary but i could have watched it with japanese commentary but the thing is because it's a u.s presentation and i'm a completionist like this and i had the 20 quid i was like fuck it i'll just pay it because i do want to watch it the way it's supposed to be watched because this is actually the kevin kelly product um but then it didn't even work properly like you're charging me more than the actual service that works that's actually got a reputation so i went in unhappy but it did turn me around by this first off the outdoor aesthetic so this was in the la coliseum okay and the outdoor aesthetic for this was great it was like a party it was like i don't know it was like do you ever see what's that thing that they have in uh, New Orleans, like the big street parties and stuff like that, where there's loads of lights and this and that. Mar- and Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras. That's how it yeah. felt. You know what I mean? Or spring break or something. It was just, it was light. There was an outdoor party because it was an outdoor event. So there was an outdoor party vibe. Felt like there was a bar. I could smell the barbecues there. Like there was beer. It just felt like a really good vibe to be on, which is such a huge difference for New Japan. Because if you if you watch any New Japan product, and I'll be the first to put my hand up and say it, it's kind of sterile, the, the product when you watch the New Japan product. You know what I mean? It's very serious, very kind of in your face. And it's just, uh, we'll show you the wrestling. There is a big crowd here. 
but they're going to be respectful. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like watching the Olympics where it's very serious and procedural. And there is beautiful things that can happen from that, like we saw in the Olympics, but it is very kind of professional. Whereas this is just partying and fun and different. And it was nice to see New Japan presented in that way. Um, the matches I want to highlight, first off, Tomohiro Ishii against Moose from Impact, okay? I had no expectations with this match. I had no expectations. Like, it's Ishii against Moose, whatever. Like, I suppose they're trying to play the forbidden door angle, and it's like, yeah, but I don't I don't really care about either of these people. This isn't this isn't why I put that door, I installed that door. <laughs> but you know what? This is amazing. This is fantastic. This is one of those matches that shows why people love Ishii. Because with these matches sometimes, and then the G1, he does it all the time, and that's why everyone falls in love with Ishii. He just goes out in these matches. You don't expect anything from and just like no nah, i'm gonna make it one of the best wrestling matches you've ever seen just just because i can i'm gonna i'm gonna like you're not ready for ec versus moose to be among your favorite matches i don't care <laughs> i'm gonna have it he reminds me very much of and you'll appreciate this reference you'll live through this do you remember chris benoit in wcw do you know what i mean when he mm. was like kind of the best wrestler on the card but just no one appreciated it. and he had these classic yeah. matches all the time and it's like why is nobody looking at this guy he's amazing that's ec and he did it again he he did an ec and it was fantastic um Another thing I want to discuss with a surprise, I'll, I'll go back to that, okay? John Moxley was supposed to team up with a surprise partner against the Good Brothers, okay? And this was a big deal because it was Anderson and Gallo's return to New Japan because obviously they got released during the pandemic, so they haven't been able to go back, but they've been teasing that they will. Uh, so this was their return because it was the first time it was appropriate for them to return. Uh, the partner that Moxley ended up having, because you're thinking Eddie Kingston, or you're thinking, is it going to be a big surprise name? It was actually Yuji Nagata, uh, which is awesome. You may remember he defended the US Championship against him on Dynamite a few weeks ago. And what's awesome is Yuji Nagata, if you don't know him, he's, a, he's an old Japanese wrestler. He's a legendary wrestler. And in Japan, wrestlers will wrestle as old as, as kind of their bodies will allow. And they'll still be respected if they're a former champions. Do you know what I mean? They won't win ma big matches, but they'll, they'll put up a fight and they'll be respected as such. And Moxie is a huge Nagata fan. I went out and started playing tribute to him and doing little Nagata spots and little Nagata tributes to it. And this is what I love about John Moxie in 2021, because I feel like when he was the AEW champion, he was very serious all the time. And he's trying to like change wrestling and have dramatic matches and this and that and the other. In 2021, when like he's becoming a dad and he's so many other things going on and he's clearly just happy in life. He just has the absolute crack. Like now the fans are back. He just has the crack when he gets to rest in front of the fans. He has fun every time and it feels fun. Every match feels like a party. Do you know what I mean? And we're all invited. And that's what this match felt like. It wasn't an amazing match, but it was, it was, it was interesting. And the good brothers ended up getting the win anyway. You pin the Gata, which makes sense because they're obviously going to be a big, a big deal when they uh, eventually do get back to Japan. Afterwards, we had a surprise appearance from the Gorillas of Destiny. They squared up against each other. You've got the Bullet Club versus Bullet Club side. Are they going to be hit? Are they going to be uh, together? Are they going to rival? Looks like they're going to be rivals, but they didn't come to blows. Uh, you had Jay White against uh, David Finley for the Never Openweight Championship. We've covered the history of these two before, having come up together as New Japan Young Lions. Finley won the first match that they had, um, but White has since been on a clean sweep until David Finley won in an upset as part of his tremendous New Japan Cup run earlier in this year uh, Finley and Jay White are quietly becoming a Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn type pair in that they bring out the best in each other this was great and what it had was as well is 
Jay White is so over and New Japan are only able to hold off him going on a huge babyface run now because Japanese audiences are used to kind of the slower long-term booking with New Japan and they're patient. So they're not forcing a change. But what they realized, and they were clever enough to realize here is that American crowds are like, nah, fuck this. If we like it, you're turning babyface and there's nothing you can do. So they actually played into that. So they did a double turn here. Now, I don't think it's going to stick, but it was brilliant where at one stage, it's like Finley's getting a bit desperate. Jay White just won't go down. So he just hits him with a low blow when the ref's back is turned. And you're like, yes, they're just letting us kind of do what we want. Amazing stuff. Um, it was brilliant. They just constantly had uh, great counters here as Finley constantly went for the acid drop, which is like a sliced bread, except he finishes with a stunner. Um, but what they did was constantly like they had him do it like once and Je- like they, they went all the way over to the point that all he had to do was just fall and Jay White just squats up out of it like he looked like an absolute boss. Uh, ended up winning with the Blade Runner. What I'm going to talk about, though, is something that if you've listened to me talk about New Japan and you haven't switched the podcast off every time I bring it up, you may be surprised to hear. Because in This Is Awesome, it's part of the best moment of the week. And a big, heavy contributing factor is I want to talk about Will Ospreay. Um, and again, a lot of what I said, Katie's face is just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I was unexpected. Because <laughs> I've, I've, I've had a lot of, of negative things to say about Osprey. And I stand over all of them, by the way. Osprey is someone who you'll remember if you listen to those rants you've heard me say before. It's not that I believe he shouldn't, he should be chased out of wrestling. I believe that he's been a dickhead, but also like he hasn't done any of the more serious crimes that are being accused of, but he's been a dickhead. So like, it's someone who probably on balance doesn't deserve to have their career taken away from them, but also they deserve to have fans be able to make their own choice, you know? And if fans don't want him to be around and want to revolt against them and he loses bookings as a result, that's what happens when you're a dickhead. You know what I mean? And that's going to, like, he gets to play the free market. But what I didn't like about Osprey and why I was so against him during his IWGP Heavyweight Championship run was when he was playing this heel character that he's morphed into, he was kind of using the stuff from speaking out to make him more of a heel. And I hated that because it's disrespectful. It's the wrong style of heel heat. It's it's not funny. It's not clever. It's not anything. It's not good. It's not talented. It's just you're upsetting people for the sake of it about a serious issue of which you are definitely guilty now here this was different and this is why i'm going to talk about it okay first off it was a surprise that osprey was even there okay we thought we were getting the moxley match and this was like they were announcing moxley's mystery partner but then osprey's music hit and he just walks out in the suit and you're like okay right you have me on the back foot here he announced that obviously he was stripped to the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship earlier on because he, uh, this year, just, just not too long ago, because he broke his neck. He did a John Cena on this and he announced that he was cleared to compete way earlier than anyone expected. So he's like, no, I'm good to go. I can wrestle tonight. And like now the difference with him and earlier in the year is I felt like he needed to he needed to bring up the kind of speaking out things and the allegations against him to get heel heat because his character didn't have full motivation that he could tap into. Now his character has motivation motivation and it's actually really good motivation that's tough to argue with okay because he made a really good point about how new japan stripped his belt off him. he won the world heavyweight championship and he was injured all he wanted was four months off and yet moxley during the pandemic had the belt had the u.s belt for a year and they didn't strip it and they're like it's one rule for moxley it's another rule for me that's not fair and you're like 
I can't actually argue with that. That's yeah, that's actually, and he's he's legitimately pissed off about this. So he turns around and he goes, you know, we've got a tournament coming up in Japan, and the G1 starts next month. We've got a tournament coming up, and you know what? I'm not gonna enter it. And you know what? I'm not even gonna go back to Japan. That's it. I'm done with New Japan. I'm not wrestling, I'm not wrestling there anymore. I'm finished with them. And then he goes, I've actually got a new goal. He picks out a bag in the corner, and like this is really kind of fast. And this is a hot promo. He takes the bag out and he has his old IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. He goes, Do you know what? I'm gonna defend this over here. So, first off, he's gonna be a brand ambassador for the New Japan US thing, which is a really good bit of star power that they need. But also, he says, I'm not just gonna wrestle in uh, New Japan, I'm gonna kick down any doors that people have open. So, you're like, Holy shit, the entire wrestling world is now opening up. You could get Osprey Omega, you could get Osprey and Impact. You could get all these things as well he then bitched about the LA Dojo and New Japan Strong which brought out TJP Clark Connors and Carl Fredericks um, and they kind of had a stare down which uh, I think of all the forbidden door matches we're begging for none of them involved TJP but whatever they needed to have an out and that, that was the way they went this was really good though because Osprey coming out as a hot heel with some motivation not having to get cheap and use tasteless real life crap teasing us and then taking us on a, a roller coaster ride um where we're, we're like it kind of it gets our it gets our brains thinking because we probably do that means we probably do have a title unification ma- match down the line which I'm willing to bet if he's not entering the G1 that's going to be if they do Wrestle Kingdom two nights it's going to be the G1 winner against Takagi or whoever's the champion on night one and the winner faces Osprey to unify the two championships on night two uh, that seems very likely then we're also thinking are we going to see him in AEW or Impact he's going to boost New Japan strong as well. Like, look, I'm not turning into the Will Ospreay mark in front of you. I'm not going to complete 180 on this, but I, I got to give credit where it's due. Even if I didn't like the fact that I enjoyed it, I enjoyed this. This was this was fun. This was exciting. This was something that I wasn't expecting to see. In the main event, then, he also had a title switch, uh, which I thought he'd be really unhappy about. It was uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi against Lance Archer for the latter's US Championship. Of course, he defeated Archer defeated Moxie for the belt a few weeks ago on Dynamite, you may remember. Uh, turns out that after all that, and after me saying, finally, Lance Archer is getting the respect he deserves, he was a bit of a transitional champ. And that may, like, kind of upset me a little bit but it was also a good match and I got what they're going for uh, Archer turned himself up to the max volume for this match he had a lot of fun because Lance Archer if you've never seen him kind of in full like Lance Archer mode he's like a huge Minoru Suzuki on steroids he's just t- taking miracle grow and is just seven foot tall now he went around beating the shit out of the trainees at ringside he just created absolute chaos and mayhem made the match so exciting and it was great because it, Tanahashi was a great little man to play against his big man uh, and just fitted in so well to that storyline which was constantly exciting and engaging in the end Tana ended up winning um, and, and what was also the coolest part perhaps about this was like okay so at the end of it you got um, Tanahashi won the belt um, and then like he had like this happy ending in front of the fans like it's him saying I'm back in America. We're we're delighted to be back. We're going to have more shows over here. And there was that kind of heartfelt moment. Then he went and did his, uh, his like kind of air guitar thing. Um, But I haven't even mentioned the coolest part about all this because the coolest part about this match is who was sitting at ringside, kicked up, having a few cans, just chilling against the rail. John fucking Moxley sitting there. And that's why Lance Archer beat John Moxley for the belt because Moxie against Tanahashi, I'd put money on it being a Wrestle Kingdom match. And that is going to be absolutely deadly. Um, Also as well, they teased that Tanahashi might show up in AEW. I'd be willing to bet that's going to help to 
to build that match. Um, but all of this was just a massive surprise. I did not expect this. I knew I was always going to watch a New Japan show on Sunday morning, but again, it was more out of duty. This was really, really fun. Go out of your way to watch it. You don't need to pay the 20 quid. I think they have it up on English commentary by now in New Japan world, but uh, really, really good stuff and, and a pleasant surprise. Uh, that was the week that was. Let's talk about the week that will be. Let's start with AEW Dynamite on Friday. CM Hunk is coming back. <laughs> I was only just thinking, I, I can't believe that's still the soundbite of me in this show with all the shit I talk about CM Punk. Like that, <laughs> have I not said anything funnier since that? Like, <laughs> yeah, but I'm not going to edit the man. That's really difficult. Like, so no, nah, you're getting that. <laughs> I, I, like, yeah. H- how are you feeling about this? I know it's something that you haven't been particularly nonplussed about over the past few weeks. So, how are you feeling with it on the horizon now? Is it is it is it something you're you have any excitement for? Do you care at all? Do you think it's a big deal or? Like I I know it's a big deal, and I will watch it. I just don't care about it, if that makes mm. sense. You know what I mean? Like, I'll watch it. I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. And I'll carry on with my day. Um, yeah. It's just, it's it's not going to really, like, it's not going to convince me one way or the other that AEW is the best in the world. You know what I mean? It's, okay. it's just going to be a thing that happens. We, we got sent in a question this week from Sean McSarran, and it's like, what if they're just trolling us? Because they've come out and like said it. Like they, when they teased it a few weeks ago, they're like, we're coming back to Chicago. And then Darby Allen is like, I, if anyone wants to challenge me in Chicago, I don't care if you're the best in the world, CM. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they've really made it kind of obvious at this. And then Tony Khan, like even this week, is doing interviews and he's like, I think everyone knows what's going to happen. I was talking about it like, is there any way they could good troll us and like bring out Daniel Bryan instead or something like that? I like I would enjoy that switch. I think he's <laughs> I think he's the only person kind of big enough that you could do that with right now. He's yeah. the only person I think that wouldn't get shit on if you did that right now. Would it be really would it not be amazing though if it was like little Fuego del Sol? Like they and like he had cult of personality as well. It's like yeah. more than one person can enter to this song. <laughs> Do you remember when they did when they did this at Jericho years ago in WWE and they built it up and like leaked it was Jericho and then it turned out it was the Miz coming back from a three week injury and people <laughs> lost their shit. But that was genius to be fair. <laughs> that's like again when you're not in the emotional part, you're like that's really funny. <laughs> yeah. in, in hindsight, I'm like that was so well played. <laughs> who, who would be the funniest person if it wasn't CM Punk that this could be on Friday? Ryback. <laughs> yes, nailed it. Got it. <laughs> I'd actually like fuck off. Ryback would be retired if it was Ryback. If that's who comes out, <laughs> and like CM Punk hates Ryback as well. Actually, so like, yeah, there's that whole history there. It's actually turned into a fuck you to CM Punk. <laughs> Ryback would just tweet like there was a secret fourth option on my poll. Return to <laughs> AEW. <laughs> Amazing stuff. We talked about NXT. That's it. It's gonna be a weird weekend because SummerSlams on the Saturday, NXT is on the Sunday, and then NXT isn't even an arena show, so it's going to be like the weird kind of Catholic yeah. wrestling center. Yeah, so like I had, I had to switch my work days. I normally work on a Sunday, but I yeah. actually want to stay up and watch SummerSlam this week, so yeah. I switched my work day to a Saturday. This is going to be so bizarre. Yeah, it's going to be. I think it's going to be good. I'm excited for it. You know what I mean? And like. Mm. You know, on a weekender, actually, the Saturday night show is usually more fun because the second show, you're a bit like just kind of like, oh, yeah, I'll watch it. It's grand like, but yeah, I, I don't know. We'll go through the card and we'll give really, really quick picks um, on, on the matches that are coming up. So we have the Usos against the Mysterios. What are you thinking? Uh, Usos. 
Okay. You're actually well up between watching Raw and stuff like that. And then like now you're tuning back into yeah. SmackDown. You know all I the just cars, think, so. I, I think the Usos, uh, if they keep the belt, then they can use that as a glue to hold them together until they want to tease the split storyline down the line again. Mm. So I yeah. think it's, it's a good way of keeping them doing something, keeping the focus off them. So that, that split down the road will be more shocking. Yeah, exactly. I think now we're in the stage where kind of Jimmy's come back and we've had that whole drama of will they, won't they? And he's stuck now for a while. And you need to have it be a settled stage for it to mean mm. something when that happens. I absolutely agree. I think the Usos, there's no reason to keep it on the Mysterios. Like, if anything, you're probably just going to, you know, you're going to start sowing the seeds for them, like having a bit of discontent or something like it. It'd be interesting if, if Ray made a mistake here or something mm. like that and it led to them losing because. I think they're probably going to wrestle at WrestleMania. I think it might be Ray Mysterio's last match. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So now would be a decent time to start doing little things that have high impact that kind of put that in their head. Uh, Drew McIntyre against Jinder Mahal. Um, They had a thing, they had a match this week on Raw where it was like Drew against Jinder's new kind of corner lads. I forget their names, apologies. Um, But if Drew won... Uh, if the lad, if if the lads won, they got to be in Jinder's corner. But if Drew won, he got to have the sword in his corner. <laughs> you see what I mean? They're building the whole storyline about Jinder getting stabbed, and I hate that. I know that them lads' names are Shanky and Veer. Like I hate that. I know that. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Nicely done. Mm. Um, do you think is it like is is Jinder getting stabbed here? Is that what's happening? Like, if Jinder doesn't get stabbed, this will be the worst payoff. Like uh, between. <laughs> Say, say if CM Punk doesn't show up on Sunday, Jinder not getting stabbed will be on par with that. Like, <laughs> dis- disappointing endings for storylines. Well, we found our clip for the show with no context. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Katie went psycho and started saying that Jinder better get stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa against Eva Marie here. Um, well, no, sorry. We both have Drew winning, I think. Yeah. Mm, yeah no one's going wrong and picking it okay fair enough uh, Alexa against Eva Marie is there any chance that Eva Marie wins here no because she hasn't even been winning on Raw you know what I mean for all the shenanigans with Dewdrop and all they're 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 not putting her over so I yeah. think I think this Alexa character still has a bit of steam yeah they need to have her like wrestling for the women's championship she's probably gonna win it at some oh god um yeah i agree uh seamus uh defending the u.s championship against damian priest obviously a big damian priest fan uh the bad bunny rub worked with you uh that's been kind of well documented on here uh do you think he's about to get his hands on his first uh wwe main roster silverware he has held the north american championship do you think he's gonna add the u.s championship to the north american championship yeah, this yeah, I think he is. He's had a stellar nine months since January and he deserves it and it'll be fresh. And I definitely think he's taking the belt here. I think he needs to. I don't think there's I think Seamus is getting weird. <laughs> and they need to explore what's wrong with his accent, but you knew that without the belt. Uh, and then Damian Priest as well. Um is yeah, it's an interesting one. You've got the raw tag team championships on the line. AJ Styles again and almost against the team of Randy Orton and Matt Riddle, RK Bro. And I will confess, I nearly put RK Bro coming together because there was this thing on Raw where they finally came together 
uh, this mm-hmm. week because Orton has been turning on Riddle like since he came back. He hit him with an RKO and this and that and the other. Um, and then this week as well, Riddle was in a match and he was getting like AJ and almost were beating the crap out of him and double teaming him. And Orton was there and he just chose to walk off. And then Orton was later in a match with AJ Styles and then Riddle actually made the save. Um, so like, I'd, oh sorry, Orton was in a match with almost later, but Riddle made the save. Um, and then Orton's like, right, you keep coming back. I respect you. And he ended up hugging him and stuff like that. Do you know what? Like, whatever you feel about, and I'm not like again. I, I know there's allegations against him and stuff, and I know as well that to, to be fair, that they've the charges and everything have been dropped. Like, we need to add that too. But like, um, as well as that, I'm just not a Matt Riddle guy. Like, I feel WWE sold himself out completely, um, and and kind of lost anything that made him kind of cool or different, like to begin with. So I'm not a Matt Riddle guy, but this is kind of getting into me in the same way that I just can't help it. Like in that wrestling stat, when a wrestling story is really well told, you almost don't care who's in the ring as long as they do the right thing. And they did the right steps. Do you feel that RK bro, they've built it up all summer. Do you feel that they're actually going to win the titles or AJ and almost, they haven't really done much because AJ has been out injured. Yeah. I think it's, it's RK bro's time. And I don't think it's necessarily down to AJ. I just think whatever they had gone before WrestleMania, they haven't really, capitalized on it since they've been champions so i think they need a reset so i think or k bro and give the other two a chance to to kind of recalibrate yeah i think aj and almost like i was thinking about this during the week it was a little stunt to make an interesting wrestlemania match with new day Mm. and it works that match was really good but they just didn't know what to do with it afterwards whereas they seem to be falling into a good storyline in spite of themselves with rk bro uh raw women's championship online triple threat match nikki ash charlotte flair rhea ripley the feud hasn't been much. Charlotte and Rhea together just doesn't work. Nikki, and like apart from her winning and cashing in the money in the bank, it hasn't helped. Rhea Ripley just beat Nikki clean. So now she's been beaten by both people in this match. So she's not going into this strong. Do you think they may, like sometimes though, that the rule is when you lose on Raw, you win the pay-per-view. Do you think Nikki might actually win this? Or which way, do you, who do you put the belt on here? I hope they keep it on Nikki. I don't really have a solid reason other than I just I just hope they do. I don't think there's anything new to be done with Charlotte or Rhea right now as champion. Yeah, I agree. Like, I'm going to say Charlotte here just because, but I agree, there's nothing new to be done. Uh, I'm going to say they're going to put it on Charlotte here. I think they want to butter Charlotte up. I think they're shitting themselves because Ric Flair has left uh, and Andrade's <laughs> left. And like now it's like we're going to lose our, our golden goose in the women's division. So I mean, they're going to butter her up. So that's the only logic I can put on any of them winning. I don't think... I don't think they believe enough in Nikki, unfortunately. I think her moment happened when she cashed in the money in the bank, and that's kind of it, unfortunately. But so look, I've been wrong before. I may be wrong again. Edge against Rollins. They've been building up the set Rollins. Is Edge, but better. Um, do you think he's actually going to beat him at SummerSlam, though? I, yeah, I think Rollins is winning this. Um, I don't know why. I just kind of have it in my gut that he is winning, and that would be the more interesting story going into a rematch rather than Edge beating him. Um because Edge hasn't really been beaten since he came back. Like, you know, he's kind of come out on top of everything, hasn't he? You think? I think he's sort lost. Of. Really? I suppose with Roman Reigns, yeah, he kind of came out on the losing end of that. But like Daniel Bryan got won- pinned at that. And apart from the Rumble, he hasn't won anything this year. Do you know what I mean? No, he pinned. Do you remember Reigns pinned both of them? Oh, Reigns pinned both of them. Okay, and then he well, beat then- him again at Money in the Bank. Yeah, then I don't know what I'm talking about. But I still think <laughs> that Rollins. I, I was picking Edge beforehand, but I'm thinking Rollins now because I'm like, you can put Rollins in a championship match, but you can't put Edge in a championship match. So mm. why would you just deflate Rollins? But Edge hasn't won anything. So 
I don't know. I'm leaning slightly towards Rollins. I may change my picks. Keep an eye on Twitter. I'll put up my picks uh, before the, the show as usual. Uh, last year against Goldberg for the WWE Championship, is there any chance they have one more run with Goldberg? Or do you think they've learned to just have not be the guy that puts over these guys? No, I think they've been doing a great job with Lashley, and I just hope they keep going with that. So, like, no, let's, let's just go Lashley. Don't put that into the universe. That Goldberg. Goldberg's, Goldberg's kid, it, like... I know he's only a kid, but like <laughs> he's a teenager now. Do you know what I mean? He's like where it was cute when they first started bringing him out. He's now involved in this storyline, a very yeah. kind of Dominic Mysterio style way. Uh, like not Dominic now, Dominic when he was few, when Eddie Guerrero was around. Um, but he's not the cute kid anymore. He's a kind of douchey kid now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> he's got he's he's what you'd expect Goldberg's kid to be like and act like. Do you know what I mean? Like he's wearing a really tight top on uh, Ron one day, and then when the camera turns around, he starts flexing his muscles into it. it's just like yeah you're Goldberg's kid so that's not sympathetic in any way there's no like Goldberg's promo was basically do you want to see who your dad really is and I'm like none of us care about this you're cutting a promo for one person this is mm. like I know you're coming back for your kid but you can't make the, the storyline about that because <laughs> we're not your kid uh so no last year all day for me Bianca against Sasha Banks okay so I have a theory for this all right the contract signing that you watched last week it was interesting how they stacked the decks against Bianca. It seems like Selena and Carmella are going to be involved in this because they've made them now a part of the storyline. If only there was a major women's star that could perhaps even up the odds somehow and like set things up. So with that on the horizon and with Becky Lynch She's been teasing the comeback since WrestleMania. She is ready to go. There's no reason not to have her any longer. She's training. She's ready to come back. They're holding they're holding it off for whatever reason. I think now's the time. I think Becky's coming back. I think she's even in the odds. And I think Bianca's gonna reign here. And they have a Becky Bianca stare down as in like a dream match. That's my pick for this. What are your own thoughts? Am I am I getting overexcited? Am I doing a corporate keen and, and setting myself up for something that'll never happen? Yeah, like you've set yourself up numerous times in the last few weeks for Becky's return. Uh, but you know what? <laughs> I do it every month. You know what? I'll just agree with you here because I want it to happen for you and for no one else that Becky makes her return here. <laughs> you're, like, you're, be- you're being diplomatic when you say that. You want it to happen, so I stop saying it. Like, just be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, look, it is it is a good time as any. You're not going to have another pay-per-view until the Rumble. That's going to make as big an impact as SummerSlam. So I suppose if you're going to do it, SummerSlam is the time. Good stuff. Uh, Becky coming back is my new John Cena is turning heel prediction. And speaking of John Cena, main event, Roman Reigns, John Cena. It looks nailed on. They're even WWE aren't even pretending that this is more than just a few weeks thing. He's got a lot going on. He's got the Peacemaker show coming out. We know he's going off again, so it's probably not going to happen. But I have heard some good theories about well, maybe he'll win and then lose it again a month later or something like that. As in, like, Ric Flair just left. A big fuck you to Ric Flair would be just having, ha, you're not the record title holder anymore just before he debuts in AEW. Do you think WWE are that petty? Or is there another reason Cena could win? Or is this just a range win? I think the original plan was to let Cena get that 17th reign and have it short and sweet. I do think it was the original plan. I think it is so funny that Ric Flair is probably going to fight for the NWA title and is probably going to win it to make him a 17-time <laughs> champion just to fuck with WWE's storyline. <laughs> it is so delicious and so funny that like 
<laughs> I don't know what's going to happen now because I think Ric Flair leaving and possibly getting phys- like possibly becoming NWA champion <laughs> is 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 scuppering their plans. So that's what makes me think they'll just keep it on reigns. Um, but I do think the original plan was given Cena the 17th title reign. Imagine, amazing! Oh, that would be yeah, and I could absolutely see it happening. Like, um, I'm gonna go Reigns as well. Um, I think yeah, I think it is Reigns. Ultimately, this is what Cena's brought back for. He's putting him over as a champ. Cena is not the guy to take it off. Now we said that many times before. We said like, uh, Brock Lesnar. Why would he be the Undertaker? And look what ended up happening. But uh, I just, I just don't see. It. I don't see where you have to gain. Reigns has been absolutely amazing for the past year since he's come back. Um, and and give it to someone like a Big E or something like that. Or uh, I think we will see a sad Corbin attempt to cash in. I think that's going to happen now that he's stolen the money in the bank. I think there's going to be a failed cash in. That that's a strong possibility. Um, maybe before the match or something like in a kind of dumb talking Jordan Jordan Devlin style. Um, but uh, I don't know. It'll be it'll be an interesting one. I'm I'm dying for it. It's going to be great. Uh, great weekend ahead, uh, and we'll be back next week to discuss it all. Hopefully, with Corbett Keen back in the hot seat once again. Happy birthday, Corbett Keen! Uh, your ball is uh, ready, wait, waiting for you here when you want to take your seat back on the show. Uh, just you will still have to review raw. We cannot be clear enough. <laughs> um, Katie, you've got your ten years of Harvey coming up. Yes. So shortly, <laughs> I'm gonna be. I'm just gonna be selling off all my merch and and, and releasing a, a brand new limited edition print, um, mm-hmm. so I can clear some space in my house and pay for some nappies. Um, nice. <laughs> but yeah, celebrating ten years of being involved in the wrestling business, which Amazing. is crazy when you think about it. Amazing, amazing stuff. Um, there you go. Help Katie Harvey uh, and uh, Phil Boyd boy nappies. Uh, there you go. At the very least, you're helping out. But also as well, like, for, like as as merch goes, like you have like kind of a, a really cool collection as well. So check that out too. Uh, exciting times and obviously commemorate one of the most memorable careers in the Irish wrestling scene. Uh, guys, we'll be back next week. Uh, we had no Aslo blows this week. It's just time is cutting in because we have an extra special bumper show for SummerSlam. Uh, but we will be back next week. Hopefully, with Corporate Keen back in show. In the meantime, he has a new video out. Uh, the new NXT on the new NXT. So check that out on his YouTube channel. Subscribe on Patreon. Support Katie and help her by keeping on. Our social media for updates around that and help her buy nappies uh, and check us out next week in the meantime uh, for Katie Harvey I've been Rick Nash and that's the bottom line because Loblo said so <laughs>